Blog Talk Radio. There is no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man is out of time. Which direction we are going? We have reached a tipping point. But if you feel a chill, it is because hell has frozen over because tonight one of our guests on the tipping point is going to be AWE's own Josh Wheeler, unbelievable, and of course, Ruthless Lala, who I can't wait to talk to as well. But your hosts who are here, here in hell, in the frozen wasteland that is H-E Double Hockey Sticks. I'm Stephen Platinum, and joining at, joining me as always is Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I'm I'm excited about this show. Um, both of these guests, um, very much so. And oh, where do we begin with so much going on in Georgia wrestling over the last week, two weeks? It's just the pace has just been something else, and. You have been prolific, sir, with the videos over the last few. Yeah, weeks. you, pretty, pretty you know it's really caught, really, really caught fire. Um, you know, in fact, after the um, after tipping point, I'm going to do a be kind review where I'm reviewing a couple podcasts. I'm going to review the 60 minute Broadway again. I'm going to review the thing that Rob Rod wrote about Scenic City. I mean, there's just so much to cover. Um, and I'm very excited about it. But Larry, you had a, you had a few things you wanted to talk about. Well, now. Yeah, well, let's start with, uh, since you brought up podcasts, you're going to be doing some review of podcasts, and I know you've previously reviewed the Tapped Out Wrestling Podcast, yeah. and it got me to start to listen to it more regularly, and I'm really enjoying those guys. And I really uh, the, the last week's episode, I wanted to send a shout-out, particularly to um, Myron, for his discussion of MLW. Um uh, hmm. If you want to know my thoughts on MLW, just listen to what Myron has to say, because I, I, you know, pretty much agree a thousand percent with his views of what, MLW. What was his one hour? What was his take? What was his take, Larry? Well, he was he was just uh, talking about how they do such a great combination of storytelling, character development, good wrestling, and a lot of also good promo and vignette segments and it's just bing 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 for the whole hour so it makes it really entertaining to watch and um he like me is a big selena de la renta fan um he actually also has an interview with her but i I don't know how you could not be a selena de la renta fan really um so yeah um good show if there's anybody listening who's has not seen it you need to check it out you can get it on youtube pick it up real easy they get just a, a wealth of uh, episodes up on the uh, on MLW, so that's one thing. Oh. Yes, um, sir. Uh, another thing was, you know, in one of your pod, in one of your uh, videos, you talked mm-hmm. or you touched on the angle that Simon Sermon did at WrestleMerica 
um, that was, you know, based on the, <laughs> the Iceman King Parsons Buddy Roberts hair cream deal, right? Um, um, which was, you know, it, and it and it played out really well. And I, you know, I've got a report on gwhnewsnotes.blogspot.com about that show, talking about that and other things. But I wanted to just talk about heat. Heat in yeah. 2019 for a second, because there was another angle on that show that involved Tommy Too Much and uh, the young guy they're pushing really hard there, an iceberg protege, uh, Dominic Stuckey. Yeah. And long story short, um, Stuckey had already wrestled two matches. He comes down to ringside to second Tyson Dean, and after Dean's match with Tommy Too Much, Too Much attacks him, beats him up. Um, and then they, you know, challenge issued for the for a match at the next show. But in uh, Too Much's promo, he calls him uh, Kenta Kunte. Kunte Kunte, um, oh boy. Kunta, Kunta, yeah, Kunta Kente, uh And then also, like, says he'd be, you know, sort of says he'd be glad to have him, uh, something along the lines of he'd be glad to have him work for him. Um. And, you know, it didn't really, like, create any major waves in, uh, that I could tell in West WrestleMarican. I imagine the younger people didn't even know who the hell he was talking about going all the way back to Roots. But, like, that's, that's the kind of thing, you know, you don't really see too much of in 2019, people willing to, willing to go to those kind of places. I just wondered what you thought about something like that. I mean, you had that Dwight Power guy, that yeah. Dwight Power character, and you're in, in, Peach, in uh, Platinum, which is pretty far out there. Yeah, I, you know, I like out of hand, and I'll just say this: I have nothing against almost any angle taken in pro wrestling. I think there's a certain level of protection that happens because it's pro wrestling, and that's not to excuse bad things necessarily. But I'll say that like that it, out of hand, that doesn't bother me. It only would bother me if we see. Um, once we see it play out, how does it play out? Like when they used to do the stuff with you know, the God Squad versus whomever in uh, Wild Side and um, Anarchy, you know, the, Bill Barron's explanation when people would get really mad because of the sacrilegious comments and things like that is he goes like, look, in the end, God wins, right? <laughs> Which makes me laugh because it, it just put it to a finite point. Um, for instance, I'm trying to think of the last time, like, race was really used like that on a big scale. And I remember I – remember, um, Triple H calling um, Booker T a jigaboo. Now that's bad enough, especially with you know the WWE's history on race. But the fact that really Booker T did not get justice served out of that. He not only jobbed to Triple H. He Triple H never got his comeuppance. It was one in a, a long line of of uh, people that got sort of sacrificed to the game. And that was always my bone of contention. If you're going to put them through hell, then you have to give them heaven, right? If you're going to put somebody through the ultimate tragedy, they have to have the ultimate triumph. So at the end of this angle with Dominic Stuckey and Tommy Too Much, as long as the payoff is sufficient, then to me that goes a long way toward, towards balancing those scales. But if it ends up going nowhere, then – 
it really does belabor the point of like, what was the point? And making a Kunta Kinte <laughs> reference, um, yeah, that's a little dated no. too. But I, but I have no no problem. Just it's just me. I have no problem with it out, out of hand unless it doesn't pay off sufficiently. If that makes sense. Well, and he's used the Kunta Kinte before he did it with AJ Steele in Peach State. Um, he's used that same uh, expression to describe. It. AJ Steele, and of course, it all worked out fine there. And I have a feeling it'll all work out along the lines you're describing at WrestleMerica well as well. The thing that bothered me about it really was that, uh, which I didn't mention, I should have mentioned this earlier, that once this had taken place, then Stucky didn't get on the mic. It was Tyson Dean who got on the mic and kind of cut the promo for him back at Tommy, rather than Dominic, uh, st- you know, speaking for himself. Now, I, I mean, I get, I'm guessing that's because he has not been a strong promo, and they, that's why Dean did it. But it was kind of it was, that was pretty weird for him not to speak for himself. Oh, jeez! <laughs> I mean, you know, you brought up Dwight Power, and Dwight Power used to cut the most brutal promos. But but I had one rule with Dwight Power, which was nothing could be overt. Um. When he cut the first great promo of the Dwight Power era against Timmy McClendon, and now Timmy McClendon was African American. Timmy McClendon was definitely sort of mentally challenged. That was the that was the character, right? He was a little slow, incredibly naive, and all of that stuff. And then Dwight Power, after um, destroying him, uh, it was a spot that I thought of, and it was based on American History X. So he he pulled a board out of the ring. He undid part of the ring, pulls out the board, puts, um, puts Timmy McClendon's face on the board, makes him bite the board, and then kicks the back of his head. I mean, just an uh, inhuman level of brutality, right? And then he cuts the promo. And in the promo, he never says, you're black, you're this, you're that, you're Kunta Kinte. He never goes there. He just says, he goes, don't you understand? Um, he's like, if you had a dog running around your neighborhood, he's like, and it's like, it's not the dog's fault that it's, you know, wild and less than human. It's not the dog's fault if it's not in control of itself and not the smartest. It's a dog, right? But if that dog's running around and threatening your family, and I got my, and then he lists 10 different kind of guns. It's one of the most chilling promos I've ever heard. He goes, if I got my Glock, my Tech 9, my blah, blah, blah. He just goes through this litany of guns. And then he goes, and I blew that son of a bitch away. Would you boo me then? And the crowd just didn't know what to do with it at first. And then it was like, you know, you hear the phrase nuclear heat, Boy, yeah. you know, that was nu- that was genuine, we hate you heat. And then Naja comes flying out of the back and tackles him, and they have a very real-looking scuffle before they're pulled apart and screaming at each other. And um, I was so proud of that angle. And I was mostly proud of the promo because he didn't – he just – it was all of the evil – it was all the threat and menace of – of jaws without showing the shark. Yeah. And I think there was something incredibly effective about it. So it allows your mind to take you there. And then you're kind of, um, 
you're not just a passenger for the ride. You're almost an accomplice to the crime because it's your mind that's making the connections. And what does that say about you? It's just one of those things that I think sort of transcends your regular wrestling promo. Right. And uh, right. so, yeah. 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 Um, one other like news thing that just has come out um, is in this uh, thing this thing between G- this new promotion, Georgia World Class Wrestling, and Southern Fried, it's is on the World Class is saying they're uh, in negotiations with Francisco Chiazzo and Stormy Lee for their September 2021 show, same date of course as Crossroads for Southern Fried, and of course Chiazzo and Stormy Lee worked for Southern Fried on numerous occasions. Yeah, um, many, many, many times. Yeah, so boy. Um, it's ugly, right? It's uh, yeah. it's it's no doubt it's ugly. There's no doubt. Um, I mean, I've heard things about that whole thing. I've heard more stuff about Daryl Morris and GPW and sort of the madness that's gone on because of Big Cass being at um, Southern Honor. Uh, but, but unfortunately, I can't really. <laughs> and this is going to sound like the worst promo, like like such a bad segue to promoting myself, but um, I'm going to start putting out these videos for people who are giving me money on Patreon, you know, and I'm calling it unsubstantiated rumors and deep dives into drama. (laughs) Yeah. Unsubstantiated rumors and deep dives into drama sort of chronicling because I, you know, sometimes when I bring up the history of sort of these feuds and people just go, oh, I had no idea that this is a thing that actually went back years or whatever. Um, and I thought I would talk more in length about that. So so if people support me at a certain level on Patreon, they'll have access to these once-a-week videos I'm going to do. But, Larry, I, I mean, I'll, of course I'll tell you in private on my WCW hotline. But, like, <laughs> but I mean, the, the stuff that flies around, it, has it ever been like this to no. this level? No. Where it's just, it no. feels like just... It feels like there's fires going off all over the city. And, you know, it's just like they're scrambling to sort of put them out. And yet at the same time, everybody's fascinated in watching the fires. And just when you think that's one thing we're finding out about wrestling people in Georgia is uh, people are loath to back down, boy. Uh, When they feel challenged in any way, shape, or form, they're making the sort of gut emotional responses and that's what makes it so fascinating and so uh, like I mean you almost have you almost want to cover your eyes but you're looking through the cracks in your fingers at the same time you know fascinating so I can say pretty much without uh, fear of contradiction that in 20 years of covering Georgia wrestling there's never been this kind of this level of just ongoing daily different things popping up in a dramatic fashion. You know, and some of that's, of course, the, the way social media has changed over all that time. But I do think it's more than that <laughs> right now. There's a little something I else. mean, I think an, an easy factor, be- before we bring Lala on, I, I think an easy yeah. factor in that, too, is I don't know if we've ever had so many people that weren't pro wrestling people who were at high levels in pro wrestling in the state. And... Not that I'm saying they're handling it wrong. I think on the contrary, their thing is like, 
I'm not taking this guy's shit. Like, you know, they wouldn't even occur to them to make some kind of political, like they're less worried about the ramifications of their public appearance and more like, well, you know what? I know I have this group of people. They're, they're much more realistic. Whereas wrestling people would tend to worry about how they look to other wrestling people. Someone like David Manders or Gary Lamb, for example, they don't care as long as well, their people are on message and their people are clearly on message, you know? Along so. those lines, I can think of some things that happened years ago that, of course, never came out because nobody was going to talk about it. Nobody was going to go public about those kinds of things, regardless of what they might have thought about it. They they weren't going to do that. And that seems, you know, the gloves are off now. It seems like everybody's willing to go public with everything. So um, there you go. And it's almost like you got some like loud mouth jerk in videos who is just like putting everybody's business out on the street for his freaking videos. So. Yeah. Really. <laughs> and now he's going to do it for some side money with his patrons even, even more so. So that's, what the hell with that guy? I mean, unsubstantiated rumors and deep dives into drama. Who would possibly pay to get that good stuff? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. So, yeah, Larry. Well, we're gonna, so, we got a guest, but since we're doing plugs, I'm going to be on Gunnar Miller's uh, 60 Minute Broadway this Thursday. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Can't <laughs> I hope, wait. I hope I, don't, I hope I don't ruin his record of you know increasing views. I'm afraid I might, but we'll give it a go. <laughs> But somebody else who's on the upswing, Larry, could you please introduce? I'm so excited. So excited to talk yes. to you. Yes. Our first guest, fairly new to the state of Georgia, but not new to wrestling. She's been wrestling about 15 years and um, saw her at GPW, and she impressed the hell out of me and really wanted to have her on the show and talk with her because she's got some interesting things to say and an interesting story to tell. Welcome to the Tipping Point Ruthless Lala. Oh, well, you know what? That, thank you guys so much. It's 16, 17 at the end of December, but it's okay. You're still close to it, respectfully. It's still cool. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it, though. Absolutely. First of all, Ruthless Lala, uh, congratulations on having the most badass name that I've heard lately. And I'm not talking <laughs> women, Russell. I'm just talking, I'm just talking name. Have you have you always been ruthless, Lala? And if not, uh, when did you make the switch and why? Well, before I go into that, because I heard that y'all was like giving out plugs. So real quick, yeah. I'd like to give out a massive plug to my boy uh, Jordan Tevin, Caleb, uh, Jennifer Morton, the whole RWA roster, Revolutionary Wrestling Alliance in uh, Maryville, Tennessee. Uh, shout out to all those guys. Those guys are by far amazing. Shout out to SWS and Tullahoma, Tennessee, like Pro South. These are people who let me come in and let me be me. Shout out to WSU. Uh, I don't care how people feel about it. Like these, like these companies have literally let me come in and be me. And for that, I want to say thank y'all and give a mad shout out and give respect where respect is due. And I want to nice. also give a shout out to my best friend who I viciously beat up. And I'm the last guy standing my cob. Respectfully, though. Still love you, but I had to beat you up. But my name has always been Lala. Hmm. Um, I went through the stage of the baddest bitch, Lala, and then um, it was too much for some people to say, or it was like, hey, well, we can't say that you're the baddest 
bitch on the show because it's family. And, you know, so we really can't say none of that. And I was like, all right. So I end up trying to revamp who I was because I dealt with so much bullshit in Texas with me being pretty much held down because I could never show what I could do as a professional wrestler because the saying goes, you're only as good as your opponent. Yeah. And so constantly I was in matches with ring rats and promoters' girlfriends who couldn't wrestle their way out of a paper bag if they had a blowtorch, a box cutter, and a pair of scissors. But yet I still put them over. But, but, but for the fact that I don't feel what I don't feel, here come all the rumors of, oh, Lala's unsafe. And, oh, she, she hits too hard, and I refuse to work Lala. So literally my wrestling career almost ended just as it started because women wanted to refuse to work me. Instead of promoters coming and asking me, hey, what happened with the situation, they just listened and was like, all right, well, we can't book you because you're unsafe, and people refuse to work you. So I was about to quit. And thanks to Awesome Kong and my, and my mentor, Hugh hmm. Rogue, and Sid Murder at that time, I was like in my, I was in like five years in the business. She and both of them kept me from quitting. Like they talked to me and she told me, she was like, listen, she's like, you got to keep pushing. She said, there ain't enough, there's not enough thick black women in this wrestling business. She's like, and, and you going hard, she's like, you got to keep going hard because you got to prove everybody else wrong. She's like, you can't quit because if you quit, you're going to prove everybody right. She's like, and you can't prove nobody right. You got to do what's good for you. So I kept pushing. And I was like, either I quit or I transgend into wrestling men. And that's what I did. So when I started wrestling men, it was like, damn, that's ruthless. Damn, that's ruthless. Oh, you're a ruthless individual. And I went and I looked up the definition of ruthless. The definition of ruthless is show no remorse, show no pity, do whatever it takes by any means necessary. And that's me. Because at the end of the day, there's so many people in this business that don't want to wrestle somebody if they're not going over or they're upset because they got to put this person over. But at the end of the day, I don't care if I win. I don't care if I lose. I literally care how much pain I can inflict on you from the time that bell rings until it ends. That's it. Because at the end of the day, it's about a story. It's about a meaning. Everything that I do in that ring has an impact. Because when it's all said and done, the promoters, the booker, the, the guys in the back, the referees, the fans, the security guards, hell, even the business owner who owns the building is going to understand exactly why I'm just that goddamn ruthless, respectfully. Can everybody book her? What the fuck's going on, Larry? All right. Did, Ruthless, well, do, you, do they let you talk on the mic? Do you get to talk on the mic? Because, I mean, if this, is just, if this is just a fraction of what you can do, damn it, you should be everywhere. What the fuck is going on? You should be everywhere. You're, you're you tremendous. You want me to tell This literally might give me some heat, but, like, I've been doing this way too long to hold my tongue in. Like, lately here, when bullshit happens in wrestling, people have been speaking up. So I'm going to speak up with it. You have too many promoters and too many bookers that is on this homeboy bullshit. That's the mm. problem. You got guys like Caden Sage, Sean Hoodrich, Mike Cobb. You got guys like The Movement. You got guys like Menace. You got guys like Matt Gilbert. You know what I'm saying? These guys can go hard. But because they ain't a best friend with one of the promoters, oh, I don't want to book him. Oh, you know what? I don't want to book him because he's too straightforward. I'd rather have straightforward people in the locker room with me than a bunch of pussies. Because at the end Absolutely. of the day, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Period. 
That's my problem. Oh, That's why I'm not booked everywhere because you know what? I don't suck and fuck to get booked. I get in the ring and I beat ass. And I show exactly why I deserve to be in that ring. I've literally sacrificed. I am in Georgia right now. I am so hyped right now. Y'all don't even understand. I was literally yeah. staying with somebody who kicked me out because they're on some bullshit. And so I had a choice to either get my shit and go and live under a bridge or go back to Texas. And I can't go back to Texas right now because Texas is my home. I have a house in Texas. I have a house that I'm taking care of that I put my mom and my kids in where they ain't got to pay no type of rent until next year. I'm not boasting. I'm giving facts. I sacrificed not seeing my mom and my kids to literally get to this exact moment to where I am now to where there's so much good shit is about to happen just because I stayed humble. So I'm not supposed to go back. And, and when I was at the lowest of my lows and I felt like I couldn't trust nobody, there was people that was there to come and get me to keep me from walking out, keep me from walking on the streets or going under the bridge. So guess what? I'm going to stick it out and I'm going to go hard. This is all that I have. This is all that I do. This is how I'm taking care of my family. I don't never walk into a locker room acting like that my dick is bigger than everybody else, which metaphorically it is. I walk into the locker room and I shake hands. I'm humble. What do you need me to do? I got you. That's all it is. But the fact that you ain't rubbing them or the fact that you ain't trying to get in the bed with them, they don't want to do it. The fact that you ain't homeboy and you're not applying your tongue to they asshole, they don't want to hear it. Oh, but you're a great talent. They'll tell you all day, oh, you got to come to the show. You got to come to the show. Well, here, here's my open date. Oh, well, you know what? I can't afford you. But you can afford to pay that female's flight, hotel, trans, and then some. Mm. And she pure trash. I ain't hating on nobody. I don't care what you wear. Hell, you can get in the ring and wear booty floss for all I care. All I care about is that when you get in that ring and that bell rings, you wrestle. If you want to do some all wrestling and you want to do some soft porn shit, take your ass to Pornhub. They're paying. I get in this. I grind. I grind and I hustle. I've had literally people who were supposed to have been my friends and cut me under the bus, threw me under the bus cutthroat, didn't give a damn, but then smiled in my face. And the time that I should have punched them in their face, I kept professional because that's what you're supposed to do. See, that's the thing about it. People don't know how to be professional no more. People thinking, oh, well, because of who my daddy is, oh, well, because of who my mommy is, I can walk into a locker room even though I don't only been in the ring, only been in the business for two years and just do whatever the fuck I want to do. No, you can't. That's not going to happen. People, people fail to realize that wrestling, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a story. Like, 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 when anytime somebody starts pulling the whole, oh, that fake shit, that fake shit, it pisses me off. And the reason why it pisses me off is because I tell people, watching wrestling ain't no different than watching a movie. The only difference is we don't get to yell cut and then pull our fucking stuntman, and we are our stuntman. At the end of the day, you're getting in that fucking ring, and you're trusting somebody who you don't never met, who you ain't never seen ever in your life with your life. You're trusting them with your life, so why would you want to go into a ring and be an asshole knowing that you can die, knowing that you can kill somebody in that ring. We work together for them fans to keep paying their hard-earned money when they can go do other stuff to come and watch us. So the fact that you don't have the simple respect off of showing up and being professional, you can go fuck yourself. And if this makes anybody upset, please feel free to at me because I give no fuck. Well, that's clear. Um, qu- qu- Question: What would you, you know, one one thing that I've heard from, you know, a couple folks around Georgia when I was wondering about, like, well, why isn't she getting booked? Well, might have a hard time finding girls to work with her because she works so stiff. Man, cry me a fucking river. That's I'm I, that, that's that's all I'm saying. And the reason why I say this is because I never 
ever have gotten in the ring and tried to hurt somebody. Never. Never. I've had females to try to shoot on me because they thought that I was trying to talk to their dude. But yet still mm-hmm. then, I didn't shoot. I kept it professional. You know what I'm saying? I tell any female or any guy that I'm about to work before I work them, and I say, hey, I'm letting you know now, it's going to be rough wrestling me. And they was like, what do you mean? I said, I don't sell what I don't feel. And that's not, a, that's, that's not trying to be a bully. That's realness. Because at the end of the day, my philosophy is you have all these fans, and, yeah, they come to watch wrestling, but they're coming to do the number one thing. They are literally waiting for you to throw a ghost punch so they can look at you and say, I told you wrestling was fake. I told you this shit was fake. No. Wrestling is a contact sport. It's art, but it's a contact sport. So if you don't hit me, I'm not fit to sell because that's going to be bullshit. If you was fit to wrestle somebody in an alley, are you going to halfway hit them? No, you're going to hit them and try to knock them out. Why? Because you know if they're bigger than you, you're going to try to knock them out so that way that you don't get knocked out. I tell people all the time, I lay it in, and I expect you to do the same to me. I'm not fit to hit you to where I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to lay it in, and I want you to give that back to me. Why would you not want to? See, this is the problem with female wrestling is because they're like, oh, well, I'm a girl, so I can do the cat fight. No, bump that. The fact that you are female and everybody is hoping that when you get in the ring is going to be a cat fight and you start throwing these forearms and you start throwing these kicks and you start knocking heads off, that's where the respect comes in at. That's where you uh, put people wrong. Well, I, you know, I can say without – for certain, the, the match you had in uh, GPW with Shalandra Royal, the one I saw – was extremely physical, and um, there was no question about the reality of the blows and the contact, the physical contact that was taking place in that ring. I hadn't seen a women's match like that in a while. Yeah, I'm. I gotta say, you know, people always ask me. I I, I used to run a promotion um, where we sort of featured. We didn't have a lot of women wrestling. We had two, and those women had the best feud of the year. Period. Any promotion, anywhere going. And um, people always ask, like, do you miss running a promotion? Do you ever want to get involved in wrestling again? And I'm like, no, no, no. I got to say, listening to you makes me want to get back into <laughs> booking and running a show. Because, I, I, like, again, it's so – authenticity is in such short supply in wrestling. And there is no fictional gimmick that could be applied to you that is more fascinating and more engaging than who you are. Um, right. I, I'm, I'm completely blown away. I mean, are, so GPW is where you wrestle in Georgia. Are, are you going to work any other places in Georgia? Please say I've yes. Actually, well, like, and uh, I, I, I forgot. The reason I do lay stuff in and I don't look weak and I make sure that I stay strong is a shout out to four people who their opinion means more than me. That's Joe Black. That's the bro. That's the Get Bundles. That's Matt Gilbert. And that's Mike Cobb. These are four people who honestly ride or die for me. I'll take a bullet for it in a heartbeat, and they shoot it straight with me. If I have a trash match, they're going to come and tell me it was a trash match, but they're not going to put me down. They're going to tell me what I need to do to become better. And that's why I am the way that I am. Now, I got to upgrade, and I got four bum-ass people that's right there that help me. And so, honestly, GPW wasn't the first place I wrestled at in Georgia. The actually yeah. first place that I've ever wrestled in Georgia was AWE. Yeah. Yeah. I wrestled for AWE. I wrestled for Action Wrestling. I wrestled for GPW Wrestling. I wrestled for One Fall. 
And honestly, I believe those are literally the only ones that I've wrestled at. Everywhere else, I've been in North Carolina, Ohio, West Virginia, New Jersey, like you name it, like just been traveling. I would like to wrestle in more places in Georgia, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit for nobody. Am I correct, Lila, though, those places you did work in Georgia, you you didn't get involved in programs, multiple appearances. They were one-shots. Is that or maybe it was twice at AWE, but not where you were really involved in, in programs that ran any length. No, they were just one shot. And that's just a they shame. They were just one shot, and I was like, hey, whenever you want me to come back, just let me know. You know, I'll be glad to come back, you know, and okay. Never heard nothing back, so I was like, you know what? There's no reason to cry or spill milk, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to go everywhere else. Queens of Comeback just made my debut May 18th. Had by far Ooh. blast. Not one female came up to me and was like, yo, you hit me hard. Like, I don't appreciate it. But you know what they did say? They said, thank you. <laughs> they was like, because it's so hard to get a female to hit me nowadays. It felt good. I love that shit. Because then I can sell what I feel. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm tired of people trying to baby these females. Fuck that. I was trained by a dude, Steve DeMarco. That's my trainer. That's my brother. That's the godparents of my kids. And he whooped my ass. And he beat the respect of me to respect his business into me. And I refuse to go anywhere different from that. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like, a lot of people don't absolutely. understand and get it. Like, I, 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 this ain't a, this ain't a, oh, let's feel bad for Lala. I don't want nobody's sympathy. I don't want nobody's goddamn pity. It's the fact that sacrifices is a main part of being a professional wrestler in this business. If you can't make no sacrifices, you get the fuck out. Because there's going to be times you're not going to be able to see your kid's birthday. There's going to be times you're not going to be able to be there for your spouse's fucking birthday or anniversaries or stuff. If you're really about this business, you're going to put your hard-earned and time and work into it. And that's what I, I've been I get doing. It that, Lala, I get it that you don't want sympathy or pity, but you, you did have to overcome from – you have had to overcome some pretty serious physical issues. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? October of last year, I beat skin cancer out of 10 years. I've battled mm. it for 10 years. It was by far the worst. I lo- almost lost my life three times to it. And what hurt the most was that this whole process that I was going through, people thought it was a game. People thought that I was faking, oh, black people can't get skin cancer. That's not possible. This is bullshit that actually came to me. So when I needed help, wasn't even nobody really there to help me. It was a certain amount of people. These were the people I ain't never met or known in my whole life instead of the people that said that they were family to me. I beat skin cancer, thank God, but I have such a chemical imbalance. I have this skin disease that's called HS, which is called hydronitis supportiva. You can look it up. You can Google it. Pretty much my lymph nodes and my glands are all the way fucked up. So I can't wear white beaters. I can't. There's certain stuff I can't wear because it'll interact with it. There's, I got to stay at a calm level or it'll make everything inflamed. You know what I'm saying? And it gets to the yeah. point to where I want to go to the gym every day. I used to go to the gym two times a day trying to get right where I need to get. But when all this shit hits me, I get inflamed. My body gets fatigued. My body shuts down. I can't do nothing. People are like, oh, well, you're making excuses. I'm not making any excuses. If you can take one day and be in my fucking shoes, I promise you that it would change your whole perspective. Not to mention anxiety and depression is a motherfucker. Excuse my language, but I'm just being as real as possible. All this shit that I have going on and I'm still pushing. 
All the shit that Lala, I'm going I... on, not once do I throw it in nobody's face. I stay humble. Because you're supposed to. I'm a preacher's kid. My mom said you never take anything for granted. You always be grateful for everything that you have because the one day you take it for granted, God can take it away from you. And I ain't never took anything that I have, including my life, for granted. I've lived it to the best that I possibly can, and I still do. Lala, how can people get a hold of you to book you? How can they do that? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can hit me up on Facebook, Tanya Harris, but I'm at 5,000, so you probably want to hit me up at Ruthless Lala, my, my, my athletic page. You can go to Twitter, Ruthless Lala. Uh, it'll pop up, Lariats are us. Um, you can go on Instagram, Straight Ruthless One, S-T-R, the number eight, R-U-T-H-L-E-S-S, the number one. That's how you'll find me. Or you can just go on Google and type in Ruthless Lala, and everything about me going to pop up. Nice. I just wanted to make sure we got that in. I just wanted to make sure we got that in. So, no, I got Larry, you. Larry, correct me if I'm wrong. Have I ever asked how somebody could, how they could get a hold of somebody to book them? I don't think I've ever asked that of a guest before. Uh, not, not to the best of my recollection. No, that's you thought, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fucking believer, and I hate everything. Ask anybody. <laughs> I hate everything. And uh, I'm I'm blown the fuck away. I don't even know what to say. Larry, do you have any questions for Ruthless Lala? I know we got to get her off of here pretty soon, which makes me sad, makes baby Jesus cry. But Larry, I'll please, come back. I'll come back. I'll come back. Oh please! Oh my God! You're, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to come back. But um, what, I'm just curious, why did you choose Georgia? Um, Georgia, honestly, me being in Georgia, I can get around to everything a lot quicker. Like, with where I was staying in Georgia, the for me to go to Pro South, it was, like, maybe, like, 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. For me to get into Tennessee, maybe an hour or two. You know, for me to get everywhere else, the, the minimum or the length, the longest that I have to drive from Georgia was to New Jersey, and that was about 11 hours. Besides that, everything else around me, it's, it's quicker for me to get there. If I end up picking up a booking in Florida, it's only five hours from where I'm at. You know? So, like, Georgia, I've always loved Georgia. I've had family that stays in Georgia who I don't talk to anymore. Um, and so, honestly, when AWE posted up about uh, tryouts, I was like, you know what? This is my last resort. I told my mom and my kids, if I didn't get to where I needed to get to by the end of 2019, I was going to quit because I tried as much as I possibly can. And so I yeah. hit them up. They hit me back up and said, hey, can you be here October 21st? I remember like it was yesterday, October 21st, 2018, Ruthless Lala made her debut at AWE, and I went up against Zeta Zane. And that meant a lot to me. See, people don't understand or get it. When you get constantly wrestling, like I've wrestled a lot of females that can go and that I'm proud of, and I've wrestled a lot of females that were straight-up trash. And usually if I get put into a debut, I'm usually wrestling somebody that's green as shit, yeah. One, either they don't want to listen, they want to call 19 goddamn spots but can't even do two of them properly, <laughs> or I got somebody who has an attitude problem. And the fact that yeah. I sat down with Zeta Zang, and she was by far the most humblest, coolest female ever in the whole wide world. We went out there, and we had a blast. We beat the hell out of each other, and we hugged it out when, when like, when we in the back. That's what wrestling is, yo. She didn't bitch about me hitting her. I didn't bitch about her hitting me. 
You know what I'm saying? That meant a lot to me that AWE don't even understand. Like, you put me up against somebody that was going to push me to my next limits, and I love that. That's why I keep traveling everywhere, because I want to be pushed to my limits. I want to be better. I want to end up being in New Japan Pro Wrestling or Ring of Honor knocking some bitches' heads off or a dude's head off. I don't care. I'm an equal-ass ass-kicker opportunist. I don't care. You serve them up to me. I done already kicked a midget, so, like, I already got my short-term goal out. Whoever you want to serve up to me, serve them up to me, because I'm going to knock them down. Period. Respectfully. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if, if, I don't, if I don't see more about you, if I don't hear more about you in the state of Georgia, um, they're going to fucking hear about it. And that's, that's real. I, <laughs> um, they're going to hear about it because uh, you're the real deal. I would love to have you on as a guest again. Um, hopefully the next time that you're on, we're going to be talking about something big that you're a part of, um, the next big move in your career, and uh, that you are going to be able to really show people what you're all about because, I mean, you're the real deal. I mean, I, I'm. It's it's easy to hear. It's easy to see. You're the real deal. Uh, they need more like you in wrestling, not less. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Is there any Thank last you. things you wanted to say? Yes, actually, I did. I Please. forgot, and I would never forget. I want to give a mass shout out to my sisters, uh, Aja Pereira, mm-hmm. Nina Monet, Savannah Zinn, and Savannah Evans, Faye Jackson. I love y'all to death. Uh, Brittany Love, I love you. Uh, keep pushing. We're going to knock this shit out the park. Uh, honestly, all the promotions that are booking me right now, thank y'all so much. Like, I, I, there's, like, I'm trying my best not to cry because, like, people don't really understand how hard a lot of shit that I've been going through and to just walk in a locker room to where people don't know you and you got people that are so, so highly of you to where they give you that same respect, that means so much to me because I ain't never had that when I was in Texas. People will look me in my face and say, hey, you're a cool person. You know what? You should be wrestling everywhere. I'm going to make sure you get there and don't do nothing. But they'll put their same color over. But you ain't going to put me over. But that's fine. Because mm. at the end of the day, I have people that ride or die for me. I have people that see my potential. And I have people that want to bring me in for me. That's why I said shout out to RWA. That's why I said shout out to SWF. That's why I said shout-out to Pro South. Shout-out to even New Era Wrestling who brought me in and let me do me. Shout-out to Queens of Combat. Shout-out to WSU. These people literally welcomed me with open arms and let me be ruthless and wants me back just off of how damn ruthless I am and how humble I am and how respectful I am. So, honestly, even for y'all to come up to me, like I told Larry when he came up to me, it's like, that was a great match. I was like, I tried. He was like, no, seriously, I'm humble. I don't give a fuck what nobody else says about me. I am a humble person, but I can be an asshole if you want to push me. <laughs> so from the bottom of my heart, thank y'all for letting me come onto the podcast. Oh, my dear God, I almost forgot her. Shout out to Mika Villas. By far, that is my sister. I love her to death. I will always <laughs> ride or die for her. That is my bestie. I love her to the end of the day and all that good stuff. Thank y'all again for bringing me on. I truly and humbly appreciate it. And that's it, respectfully. Right on, Lala. Thank you so much for being on. We appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. Woo! (laughs) Hurricane Lala just rolled through. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, we're, we'll, we'll talk about that in the post, I think, but, uh, but if, if Wheeler is ready, I'm, I'm ready to hear from him. Is he ready? Please say yes. He is ready. We have tremendous on again, off again, on again, president, CEO, head man at Atlanta wrestling entertainment, a former podcast co-host for GWH radio of all things. We're so glad to have him with us. Josh Wheeler, welcome to The Tipping Point. Snarf, snarf, motherfuckers. <laughs> can you guys hear me? I'm in, the, I'm in the car driving home, so I just want to make sure you guys can hear me. Yeah, yes, we can tell you're in the car, but you're coming through okay. You're coming through okay. Right, it's not like you're uh, like on a treadmill Before we get started, yes. yeah, before we get started, I just want to say, Steve, you and I went back and forth for a good, God, eight years maybe. Oh, my God. Is that a lot? Yes. So I just want to say to a new day. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. A, that I'm in a lot better place right now. So I, I just want everybody to know that. Josh, you know, I always ask the hard question. So I'm going to ask it. I'm going to ask a tough one right off the jump. So what Let's I've heard, I've, I've heard a number of different things. So was that for real when murder basically spoke to you? At the last show, where, well, maybe not the last show, but the, the show where you were done, is that true yeah. that he basically on the spot talked you into staying? And, and if that's true, what was going through your mind when he was speaking, and what did he say that reached you to make you fucking engage in this shit again? What, what I mean, so I'm sorry, please answer. No, no. So basically, long story short, I was told him Saturday night, I was like, I'm not going to the show. I still got a little too much bitterness and anger towards a lot of people. I don't think this is a good place for me where I'm at right now spiritually. Um, and he goes, come on, come on. I said, let me see how I feel when I wake up. So I wake up that Sunday morning. I'm like, okay, let's go. The show's supposed to be outside. We were supposed to do a block party. There's a 15% chance of rain. When it starts pouring down rain as soon as we pull up to the district, I looked at him and I said, well, I guess your show's going to be inside, so I guess i got to help you now. <laughs> so he goes, okay. So we start setting everything up, getting with Scar, the, the GM of the district, and I'm helping him produce the backstage shit. Then all of a sudden Mika shows up, and I'm like, hey, is Morgana with you? Morgana is uh, Ravina that she does the sound for us occasionally, and one of Murder's trainees. And he, she goes, no, she's not going to be with you. And I looked around. I was like, murder, I'm going to have to re He goes, yeah, the fuck you are. <laughs> and then Scar comes to me after the second match and says, hey, um, the show's going really fast. Can we, like, stretch it out a little bit? Because they want the bar open as long as possible at these shows. Right. So, of course, I just, you know, I send a runner up and say, hey, tell murder we're going to do a promo. I literally had a question ready to ask. Hey, you know, the hierarchy's really not all here today. Where's Jimmy in this situation? A, a kayfabe story question. He grabs the microphone from me and literally puts me in front of the fans and says, don't be a bitch. You've always said your word is bond, so is it or not? <laughs> so when I said fuck you to him, Larry, you were there. Yeah. When I said fuck you to him, I'll, I'll never that's the realest question. Yeah, I'll never forget the look time. on your face. I'll never forget the look. Oh, when he got back in the ring, I was terrified, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, but but he he pulled my card. He and he said it. And and then when we got to the back that night, he said, "You sent me a list of all the promoters that had quit over the last twenty years in Georgia." He said, "Stop being that guy and just fucking do this." Mm. So, but it 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 is a team thing. It's not just me. And it's not just him. It's you know. We couldn't do this shit without Mika. We couldn't do this without Danny Danger. We couldn't do this without Shane Corin. And we couldn't do it without the talent. I mean, we know this. So, but yeah, that was pretty fucking real, actually. And I'll try not to cut so much. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, well. I mean, it's me. It's me, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, um, so, okay, you you know, you say you're in a different place. You sound great. You sound happy. Um, are, do you get worried like when you look ahead do you get worried that if things aren't going well or you're having to deal with wrestling bullshit or deal with different wrestling <laughs> people who are stabbing you in the back and et cetera, et cetera, on and on and on do you feel like it could drag you back to a bad place or do you feel like you're arrived at a spot where you have it in a well you're where you have a different perspective on it and maybe it'll just I, hit you I, a different I, way i definitely think it's it's it, and I, I didn't mean to talk about you it's definitely the latter it is definitely the latter uh, I just started mm. Transcendental Meditation about five weeks ago. And okay. if anybody knows anything about DM and Howard Stern or David Lynch or those guys, and, and a lot of celebrities do it, and I, I signed up for the classes because I, I needed to get – and I've done meditation for years off and on, but I needed, like, the consistency and, like, you know, a, not really a guru, but someone to kind of help coach you a little bit. Dude, I'm mm-hmm. in such a better place, man. Like, I – like, everything – like – even work like work shit that used to bother me. I'm just like it's it is what it is. Uh, I'm sorry, Josh. I missed what you said. What did you say you're taking? Transcendental meditation. Oh, Transcendental really? meditation, so, Larry. Yeah. Wow. So it, it, it you do 20 minutes when you wake up. Usually like yeah. within like the first. I try to get it within the first hour of waking up, um, and then I do it again like in the afternoon, like in between my shifts or. I, like, I've not done it yet today, so as soon as I get home, I'm going to get my 20 minutes in and probably eat dinner or whatever. But it is. It's almost like an exercise routine, but it's, like, it's getting that consistently, and I'm getting relaxed. Like, you don't understand. Like, Steve, you've known me yeah. off and on for years, the, and you, you've also been in a position I've had where the stress on that shit, dude, it was, like, the other night, I'm stressed the fuck out. We're exhausted at the gaming expo. We did the Gary thing on Friday. Then we went out to the fucking club and partied or whatever. And I was like, I'm going like two and a half hours sleep. And I just told Murray, hey, I'm going to a spot. I'm hiding. The, the show's booked. Just give me my 20 minutes. Right before we go, I got my 20 minutes in and like was like, okay, this is good. And I just felt so much better and was just ready to go and get that show over with. So, honestly, I could go home and go to sleep because I was exhausted. So... Hey, I, I mean, from what, it, what it sounds like, I mean, you're 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 you're... It's your it's your way to have I mean because wrestling, not Larry. the shit. I mean it's people you know when people go people deride me for the videos and the number one thing is because I just go like fuck a wrestling I fuck a wrestling fan I don't care about a wrestling fan I'm like I'm, I speak to wrestling people, and I think right. there's no way a fan can really comprehend the sort of loss of control that you have in wrestling. Um, like there's well, so many things are just out of your hand and you feel powerless and. I can definitely yes. see where it's – I mean, people might want to make fun of you for what you're saying, like, oh, meditation bullshit. I get it in the sense that it's like, here's 20 minutes where I blo- – where it's it's really about me but not in a selfish way. And I know people are like, what right. the fuck is Steve talking about? But that's what I'm hearing. 
And uh, it's just a, a little a little eye of the storm um, that you're creating for yourself, and it sounds like it's doing wonders. It's fascinating. This oh, is completely yeah. not where I thought this was going to go, and I love it, honestly. No, it, it, and, that, and, that's, and, like, and that's why, like, you know, I, I turned 38 in four hours, so I'm what? too old for this shit. And, and I don't mean, like, wrestling per se, but I'm just – I'm too old for, like, okay – if you want to make fun of me because I don't draw numbers, okay, whatever. It is what it is. I've never said I was a great salesperson, not once. There's a reason I'm a bartender. I'm not a salesperson. You know, I'm not a cold call guy. I'm not a door-to-door guy. I don't, honestly, after I leave my job, I don't like to talk to people. I like my solitude. And that's been the hardest yeah. part of being a promoter is you have to always be on and you have to be out there. And, and Larry, you can attest to this because you've known me off and on for these last 17, 18 years. I've always linked up with guys that were better at that than me. The Roger mm-hmm. Cantrells or the fucking, you know, the whoever it was, you know, uh, the Matt Cameron helped us a little bit for that. Guys that like talking to people because I don't. And I, and I tend to, like, talk over people. I don't mean to, like, naturally. But, you know, I'm kind of educated, so it's hard to talk down sometimes, especially about something you love because you're so passionate. You just want to talk about wrestling. And it's hard to talk to people, like – on their level when sometimes you can't go to their level. I, Chris and I used to argue about this in the car all the time because we used to try to yeah. write music together, and he'd be like, I couldn't dumb down. And he would get so mad at me because he's like, you've got to dumb it down, and I, and I can't. And I, and, I, and I feel like that's been a lot of the disconnect with AWE sometimes is I can't dumb down myself to get the message across to people. You know, you brought up Josh. you brought up Chris, and for those and then those who don't know, and I, of course I'm going to let Larry, Larry ask questions. But no, for those who don't know, I, I, Josh is referring to Chris Long. Now, yeah, you know when 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 Chris died, it was it was a horrible thing. I I believe that was the last time I went to um, a wrestling person's funeral of any kind, and I remember I remember two things about that funeral. One was seeing Frank Aldridge, who I, you know, I, I mean, you want to talk about two yeah. guys who absolutely hate each other. I mean, I, I, don't, I have never hated anybody as much as Frank Aldridge, but seeing him there in this sort of like Parkinson's like state, I just couldn't hate the man anymore. I just felt bad for him. And then the other thing right. I remember most clearly was uh, your eulogy for Chris. And uh, I, I didn't really know you at all. Uh, but I remember you gave that eulogy to Chris, and it was so heartfelt. I, I actually remember thinking, like, ah, jo- Josh might care too much to be in wrestling. Like, I literally thought that, and not in a, and not in a patronizing way, but in more of the, like, you know, that kind of genuineness. Uh, wrestling tends to use it in a really terrible yeah. way against you. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I think that was probably the first time I like reached out. I, you know, probably something along the lines of like, you know, what you what you said about Chris was fucking beautiful and great, or whatever. Whatever I said, and uh, it's weird to think what's happened since then. What do you think? And I mean, this is like the worst kind of like fucking guesswork. But what do you think yeah. Chris would think about Georgia wrestling in general? Would he be down for all of this like? the fucking drama and the bullshit and the fucking craziness of it oh, all. God, he... yeah. Oh God. Here's how much he lived for this shit. Like even after like when I, when I closed down PWE and him and I started hanging out a lot more, cause I met him like in the tail end of 2006. 
then we became like fast friends, you know, but he was in a, when I ended 2007 when the whole, his little fiasco and try on and I tried to like salvage as much as I could. And I was like, I kind of want to go back to school. I don't want to do this anymore. And like, but he was the guy that was always pushing you to like, get back in. Like you love it too much. And I'll be like, well, why don't you get back in? Like, and he'd be like, okay, cool. And then like within like 24 hours, this is no joke, Steve, within 24 hours, he'd have a guy ready to give you $15,000 to start a fucking school. <laughs> I believe it. Like, I, I, yeah. I don't know yeah. how he did this. And then I would be like, you have no plan. You don't even know what you're going to do with the money. He goes, so the guy's, I was like, no, you're not taking this guy's money just because you want to go play. Like this is, but that's just the type of person he was. And that's one of those things that like, I never understood how he could con anyone good or bad. And so like, that was the whole thing about like him was like, I learned a lot writing with him for the four years about how he talked to people and how he could sell anything to people. And that's when I realized like, I, that's not me. Like, like you said, I, I, not that I'm genuine or that I care. I just, I can't bullshit you. I literally can't bullshit you. And, and yeah, so, but he would love, he, he, right. He would love this shit. He'd be all for it. I, I know he would. Because he'd be stirring up most of the shit, but he'd be doing it like, uh, not like he'd be like Noah at all. He'd be like, you know, solid big boy on fucking like the big shoot message boards, fucking talking shit about dirt. Yeah. To get dirt up by God, to get, to get God pissed at, you know. But you know how it is, so. Yeah. Larry, please. Larry. <laughs> Josh, you mentioned the, the uh, Gary Lamb thing. What can you tell us about going out to the, um, Southern Honor Show and meeting with Gary Lamb. Uh, Murder and I went, uh, as we said we were going to, as soon as our show ended, we got in the car and hit the road, and as soon as I saw there was traffic on 75, like right where 575 and 75 merged, and I was like, there's road work, and I was like, well, looks like uh, it's a good thing I live in Cherokee County, because I know he's back roads, so me and him fucking cut through some back roads and get to the thing, and then as soon as, I mean, no, like, no joke, as soon as I parked the car, I saw Gary and his security team, like, out front waiting on us. So someone tipped them off that we were on our way, uh, which is fine. And then, you know, we just went and we hashed it out, and we went to the back and we talked, and that was it. So it was like – Were you, in, in were you did, you have, did you have expectations going to that, that it would maybe be more hostile or that things would blow up, or, or were you going there more um, or less to – we were ready for what he wanted to do. Simple as that. Like, we were ready. Um, I, I have no fear in Merwin's fighting ability whatsoever when it comes to, like, fighting a man one-on-one. Uh, when I saw seven guys outside, I did get a little, like, itchy, like, hey, this isn't – I don't like this. And there was a point when they decided to walk to the back where I did say – one of the security guards was like, I'm going back there. I was like, no, you're not. So – I was definitely very vocal about letting it just be those two at one at a time and not fucking uh, three or four guys going back there with them. Gotcha. So I, I, I was a little bit louder about that point, like, cause they wanted to go talk and I was all for that. But when the other, when some of the security guards were trying to go back there too, I was like, no, this is not fucking cool. We didn't come up here the gang of fucking wrestlers or fucking some of our friends. We came up here just two guys just to, just to talk, just to come into a solution. And whatever that solution was going to be, 
That's all we're here for. We're not here to ruin his show. We weren't there to fucking throw flyers or anything like that. We just wanted to fucking talk to Gary and to show him, if you challenge us, we'll be there. And vice versa. And I, I have utmost respect for him for meeting us in the parking lot. I thought that was cool as shit that he came out there. Because I thought he was going to hide, honestly, at first, because I didn't know the guy. But now that I know the guy, hey, kudos to him. Kudos to Dylan. Dylan's doing a fucking fantastic job up there. So I'm not mad at those guys. And everybody was trying to turn this into a whole, you're mad they're running Atlanta. You're mad they're Anybody can run the city of Atlanta. It's the fucking hardest fucking city in the world to run to run wrestling in. You know this, This city is goddamn ridiculous. One minute they love the United, the next minute they hate the United. One minute they love the Falcons, the next minute they hate the Falcons. Like, it's just, they don't know what they, Atlanta doesn't even know what they want. So I'll just say the, I think Atlanta is a shit, generally a shitty sports town for the reason you just said. It is. <laughs> it is. But it's still my home, and I, I still think that it deserves to have a good indie wrestling product. Just my opinion. So let's so let's talk about like the the, the revival, so to speak, of AWE. Kind of what what are your thoughts? Where do you think you're headed? What's what's what is the idea at this point? Um, so originally, and, and I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way. And then after I mention this word, it'll never exist again. Uh, combat was always supposed to be a spinoff of Atlanta Resident entertainment. It was never, we're changing the name. Where eventually the tournament that was going to be filmed and put on, on Facebook video to hopefully generate some revenue and maybe get some TV people, or not TV people, but, you know, someone that's, that's doing digital media and content creating and stuff like that, because there's no money in the wrestling content game, but there might be money in the idea of streaming content that could be cool. So if we could create this visual product and then say, hey, this is what we have, we'd like to do this on a larger scale and pitch it to, to TV people. Because Murder and I do actually have some TV people that we know. We've, we've done some TV work in the last few years, and so we're starting to, like, get into that side of the business more than just the wrestling side. So it was, so it was always going to just go. We, we knew we had the title being vacated by ACH. We knew that going into it. Like that was where we we're going to go. Cause we knew he was getting signed and it was going to create this combat season, which kills our AWE season four, season five, whatever season we were on. And then it would play into a tournament, crown a new champion. And then we would, that would be the end of combat world, and we would be, hopefully by then have a venue in Atlanta and be right back to where we were with no break in the action, so to speak. So okay. when that didn't work – so when that – sorry, I, I, I'm trying to swallow. So when that didn't work because of, because of other things like, like Steve said earlier about the control thing, I can't control nine guys pulling out of the tournament before it starts. I can't control yeah. – Another five guys, like, not showing up the day they're scheduled. I, I I told you at that last combat show you went to, I ran this shit through a Little League schedule maker with 24 guys and sent everybody their dates ahead of time, and they were still pulling off the day of shows. Yeah. And that's what I just got frustrated. Is like, if you can't schedule professionals for a certain date ahead of time, then what can you fucking do with this stuff? And it wasn't like we were asking guys to, like, commit a lot. We were, we were asking for four commitments from every talent. Four. And everybody agreed to it in, in December. And then by March, you had so many guys pulling out and fucking little things here or there. And it was just like, I was just like, I'm done. Like, I'm, and I was going to the family show at the time, so I was like, I'm done. But then Murder wanted to bring it back, AWE. And then 
the district called, like, literally, like, him and I were just casually talking. I was like, you know, let's give it a rest. Let's just, you know, and then all of a sudden district called. I'm like, hey, um, I just became the GM over here. It was our, it was our buddy Scar, who's a GM at Opera, and we all worked at Opera, too. So it kind of just worked out. And he goes, I just came up with the, the GM here. I got a lot more leeway. It's not near as expensive as a building, and let's let's meet and talk. And we met and talked, and I hit him with an offer that I was like, he's going to say no. He's going to be like, this is fucking terrible. And as soon as I hit him with the offer, he goes, Dill, when can you guys start a show? And that was it. And then that was when the logo changed, and we were back. We were back in the city. Because so the whole thing was always to get back to the city. Yeah. plan is to so stick with that building. Is that, I mean, just, you're just uh, going to run that, you're just going to run that building. Uh, you're just going to so, stick with that. So right now the, the plan is to just run this building for uh, about at least for six months. Cause we'd like to get some money in the fucking coffers. Like, you know, we'd like to at least, you know, we got a great deal right now. So there's a chance for us to like, you know, put some money aside and maybe, you know, hopefully hit that elusive $10,000 gate. That's always my dream. Hit that $10,000 gate. So I can take that money and then start, you know, find a little like warehouse and start our little school and maybe run some shows at the school and keep running that for the big venues. But we do have some other venues in Atlanta now talking to us because now all of a sudden you look like you're a fucking cool thing because you're a district. Because district's one of the hottest new nightclubs in the, in Atlanta. So so now people are like, oh, you guys are kind of cool. Oh, you guys run VH1, and now all of a sudden these venues are like emailing me back. I like that venue. I think it's a real good venue. Oh, the venue's beautiful. Yeah. And, and there's free parking, which was a huge thing for us. Right, plenty of it. It's, it's lit well. The sound's good. You got room to, to sit. You got room to stand. I think that's a, you know, a, a great building for you guys. Yeah. So, and, and, and luckily, it's brand new. It's a year old. So hopefully it won't get torn down and uh, condos put up in the next six months. Like everything right, else we fucking right, run right. the city. In. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a train wreck that's been having to do. Like you're, you're you're like, hey, here's here's the dates I need. And they're like, okay, well we might be closing because uh, a real estate developer is about to buy us out. And that happened four times in like four, four years. Like that's we lost six. This is no joke. In six in, in in our five years of existence, we lost the masquerade because they got shut down and they moved. We lost the uh, the quad got. Tore down and made into the fucking uh, the, uh, the the condos of Georgia Tech, which also includes the Enclave, which we were right right next to. Famous Pub, they raised their lease, so they end up selling to somebody else. And then uh, the Camels and Rec Center, he ends up selling to a car lot, like right like two months after we we ran our last show there. And then uh, Opera got a new owner, and he just took us out. Jeez. And it's, it's not it's not like we did any oh and let's not forget Museum Bar who we broke one of their doors because of the homicide murder one fight in the street they didn't kick us out for that we found out they didn't have a, le- a legal liquor license so I said I don't feel safe running there anymore and then he ended up selling the the, the club like within like two months. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so so be- before we forget to do this stuff, wh- when are the next shows coming up and that kind yeah. of thing? Uh, so August 4th is Homegrown 19. That's going to be, that's kind of like our big show. It's also going to be like, this is the grand opening. If, if the fourth, if the last show, the seventh was our soft opening, this is the grand opening. Uh, luckily I got NXT in town two weeks before. So I got a place that like really, really, really heavily promotes wrestling fans. Uh, and I'll actually be hanging posters all day tomorrow. So I'm off work. Uh, so that's going to be our, our, our next big event. And then 
hopefully in the next like two weeks I'll have a, a full schedule between now and December with districts, and uh, that's what we're looking at. So I, I should have those dates uh, hopefully in the next, like I said, two weeks. I'm going to with Star soon, and we'll ha- handle those. And, and, and we're looking at trying to run the first Sunday of every month. That's the goal. But the mm-hmm. Falcons can always prevent that fucking stupid football. So, so like, you know, fi- the finances of AWE has been a sore point between you and I at, at various points along the way. Do, do you plan to, to keep the budget? Is the budget going to be down from what it you know was in, in some of the you know some of the pe- oh, some yeah, shows yeah, you yeah, ran? Yeah. We really had a lot of lot of money spent on some of those shows. Yeah, and we 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 did, and we were we were doing well, so we had a little bit of the revenue to, to to play with, and so you know we I I I'm not gonna lie, we got a little liberal with things. Uh, the the budget will be under control. I do make a lot more money now than I did in 2016, just to let you guys know that, which is kind of a scary thought, because of the fact that I made twenty three thousand dollars in 2016 as a bartender, and this year I should gross around seventy. Just if for all the pocket watchers out there, just know I got a lot more money to play with. Personal money. I'm trying not to put any personal money into this. Absolutely. Well, I mean, so what's – we can't speak to you much longer. This has been wonderful, by the way. Um, what do you – are there adjustments that you're going to have to make? Because, I mean, you guys used to have a pretty massive payroll, and it seems like – the payroll has come down, which is a good thing, right, for the sustainability of the show. Are you going to be able to garner larger and larger crowds without expensive talent, or is that the plan? What is the plan? Um, you know, I don't think we'll ever be able to have larger and larger crowds, and I don't think that's a problem. I, I know that in, in this era of, like, hey, you need to draw four or 500 people. I, I get it. I get the thought process. But I think at this point, I think my goal and Murr's goals are kind of starting to align a little bit more. I'm a very punk rock, underground hip-hop guy. He's kind of starting to, like, not look at all of the wrestling thing as well. And we're more about grooming talent and making guys better. And I, 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 I want to give a shout-out to Lala. I, when she came to us, she was a very, very raw tool, and within just four months, and just picking out her brains, I think she's a guy like a Thomas Shire, who uh, Larry got a first look at. I think Thomas Shire is going to go a long way with us. Uh, we just found a kid the other day that uh, debuted the Expo out of Virginia, 19 years old. I think he's going to like a lot of these younger talents are going to capitalize. And the reason I say this is you look at the landscape of wrestling as a whole today versus what it was at our height of 2016, there are no names anymore. All the names have been scooped up. NXT's got a lot of those guys. Um, New Japan's got a lot of those guys. Ring of Honor's got a lot of those guys. And now All Elite's got a lot of those guys. So you have to create your own stars, and you have to create stars that are now the guys that other people want. We kind of did it with the Carnies. We kind of got to do it with Joe and Huck. We kind of did it with Owen Knight and Ashton, but now it's like, let's go a little bit further. Let's cultivate that next crop. You know, a guy like A.J. Gray is driving all the way from Memphis to work for us. Gary J. is driving all the way from St. Louis to work for us. And our goal is to take those guys and make those guys just as valuable to not just us, but to the Indies as Ciampa, Gargano, Sabre Jr., Martin, uh, and and so forth. I mean, look at the – Larry, you miss them, but they're going to be one of the headlining matches at Homegrown. Young, dumb, and broke at a combat zone 
Jimmy Rave has, has done a great job of turning the CZW Dojo around, and those four kids are going to be fucking stars in the next three years. Stars. Each one of them. They're 19 years old and can already cut a promo better than half the guys in the Indies. Well, nice. I like McCoy. I did get to see him, and I was impressed by him. So if the other two guys are as good as that guy, yeah. And Jordan, and, and Jordan Oliver is going to be here on the, on, at Homegrown. I mean, I don't know if you saw the promo we put on our Facebook page. I definitely implore you to check it out. They're doing the SoundCloud rapper thing. And, hey, that's a very hot, trendy feud right now is the young, the young kids calling out the old guys, and that's going to be at Homegrown eight-man tag action. I'll go ahead and sell it for you right there. Great. Nice. Josh, thanks a lot for doing this show tonight. We really, really appreciate it. Hey, thank it. you guys. Anytime. If I'm ever free on a Tuesday, we'll do it again. I, I'm glad that we could put this aside. Steve, I'm actually going to unblock you when I get on the phone so we can talk some more. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Right on, man. Well, best thank of you. luck. And, I mean, in a, in, a, in a year that's been nothing but interesting in Georgia wrestling, somehow you've managed to make it more interesting in the last 20 minutes. So I can't <laughs> wait it's to see what happens. Hey, talk about my numbers all you want to, but the other, the other metrics don't lie. We, we, we are tastemakers. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All Thanks right. a lot, Josh. Thank you, guys. Larry. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah. I like between Ruthless Lala, between Josh. Um, you know, I I know there's a lot of wrestling podcasts and a lot of people who do interviews and by the way um be sure to check in to 60 minute broadway on thursday night with uh, larry goodman and gunner miller that promises to be a fascinating one um but uh man i you know a lot of people mentioned to me that tipping point has become a very different show than it used to be and i think one of the things that's really great is it's really now become when I first came on board, we we did a bunch of stuff, and I don't want to call it smoke and mirrors, but we did a bunch of stuff to make sure the shows would go well, if that makes sense. Remember, we used to do those, like, parody commercial things and all of that stuff, and that was yeah. to guarantee that there would be some entertainment value in the show, that no matter how how shitty the guests were, honestly, um, that the show would have something, some redeeming value to listen to. And now we're really a high wire act where it's just Larry and I, you know, Larry is the more diligent one. So he'll have like a few talking points before we come on. But beyond that, we line up the guests and we just go. And the reason that that can work is one, I think I've become better at interviewing people. Um, You've always been good at it, but now I think the guests, have a level of freedom and they're exercising it and the guest quality has greatly improved, honestly. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure and we're going to keep doing this high wire act. Um, but you know, if things change in wrestling or our interests change, we'll adapt. But until then, boy, this is why the interview exclusive format really excites me. When you have someone like Lala who really gets to express how she feels about stuff without, without fear. Um, I mean, there was just no fear in that woman's voice and the stuff she's no. saying is dangerous. 
really, but that doesn't mean it's dishonest. It's quite the opposite, actually. And then Wheeler um, just kind of laying it all out there, which he always does. But, I mean, and and who knows what's going to happen with AWE, but um, it's it certainly has encouraged, uh, you know, me to pay more attention. That's for damn sure. What are your thoughts, Larry, about tonight? Uh, I really enjoyed it and I like you know what you said about the high wire react aspect of it is that you know a lot of times the guests are booked fairly close to sh- to the show but some of that is like well who's really the who are really the people we want to have on now like who, who like would be the most interesting at this moment to hear from and sometimes we get them sometimes we don't um some we've wanted and never gotten like Austin theory um but uh, it, it's it's a it's been a whole lot of fun, and yeah, I mean the concept when we started out was really different than what than what it is now. I mean, Miss Rachel was a featured player at that point, and I was supposed to be like the third guy, like running the board, and you know that kind of changed over over time, of course. But um, one thing I was thinking about as we were talking with Josh is the name Chris Long came yeah. up, and it dawned yeah. on me I would have never met Chris Long if not for a platinum show. I met Chris Long standing in the crowd at that. Gay, cl- gay club used to run at the on jungle. Yeah, I was going to say because Chris Long used to come to the jungle shows. Yes, right. And I was at the jungle because I've heard of Chris Long for years, but I never met met Chris Long. We became friends, and I and like, what a hilarious guy that guy was. God damn, he was funny. The stuff he would spin, the yarns he would spin, the ideas he would come up with, just crazy. Yeah. So, anyway, I, you know, yeah. Did, it's weird how all of this stuff intertwines and, uh, I, you know, I'm having a ball. Everyone can tell you're having a ball. And, um, at the end of the day, um, you know, this, this, this machine keeps rolling forward and the, the players may change and come and go. But at the end of the day, I mean, you and I were talking the other night and I know we got to go soon, but, um, there is no place. I mean, as much as people get derisive about Georgia, right? Oh, all this drama. I've seen these things posted online. All this drama is so bad. It's hurting the reputation of Georgia wrestling. Blah, blah, blah. I think sometimes we need to step back and realize that there are things that are very unique about Georgia that are incredibly positive. And it starts and ends, honestly, with Georgia wrestling history. There's nothing, there's, there's nobody quite like a Larry Goodman that goes to your shows and has this sort of like um, credibility that Larry's not just a fan. And I know that sounds very derisive. Well, I hate wrestling fans, so it is derisive, but Larry carries a credibility there. And, and I mean, and Larry, you said it about me and it actually made me think, it's like, there ain't no motherfucker like me either in any state where like, I know the state, but I'm at a position where I don't give a damn about what I'm saying, you know, like, and I'm on a singular mission to clean up what I see is wrong for the good of everybody come hell or high water. And we're entertaining enough to pull it off. And that's the real key. Is it not? Um, At the end of the day, if people don't want to listen, it comes to a grinding halt. And so as long as people keep listening, and guests keep wanting to come on here. Um, you know, the value of being on Tipping Point, it's not just for you to promote your shit. It really is a chronicle, and it's a record 
Um, and it's important. And so we need to once in a while step back and go, I'm thankful that Georgia wrestling history is there with all these show reports and guys who have come on board and are writing these show reports. Cause at the end of the day it can all be lost to antiquity, but we're still going to be here doing tipping point. I mean, for a while there, it looked like we may not do it, you know, right. anymore. Right. Um, but I'm glad that we, you know, us two old guys, you know, we uh, we got we found our second it's like, it's like cocoon, it's like cocoon more, three. More, you know. Uh, hey, you know, it's like cocoon three. Hey, what you said just sparked something. I mean, this Thursday night, yeah. uh, Peach Date Pandemonium returns, and oh, um, I was con- just going to ask about that. That's awesome. Yeah, con- condolences to Jerry Oates who lost his wife, and that's why the show yeah. was uh, canceled last time. But they return this Thursday, and the dis- discussion will be on kayfabe. The loss thereof and its effects on pro wrestling. To Thursday, 8 p.m. Peach State Pandemonium. Right on. Well, that's a good, as good a reason to go out as any. Honestly, watch Peach State Pandemonium. Keep an eye out for Tipping Point. Always keep an eye out for Matt Hankins' goodness. Um, there's a lot of shows this weekend. Real quick, Larry, are you going to be at any of the shows this weekend? We are vacationing in Chattanooga. No wrestling for me this weekend. Hopefully, Rob's mm. going to get out to. Uh, a show or two, uh, but I haven't nailed down from him w- where he's going to be and if he's going to be. But I'm I, I think he's going somewhere. to Southern Fried, if nothing else. Cool. So that ought to Great. be interesting. We didn't get time. To, we didn't have time to get into the Southern Fried drama, but there's a whole lot of it. And you know, you can always watch my videos, and you're going to see all about yeah. that good tea sipping shit. Um, but uh, I'm going to be on vacation, Larry. I'm only taking two days, but for a guy who works literally every day, my last day off was Easter. Good I'm going to take. Friday and Saturday off, and uh, me and the kids, we're going to go down to Daytona Beach, and I'm going to get a hotel nice. room, and we're going to spend a couple of days there just soaking up the sun, relaxing, and uh, and enjoying each other's company, and then Sunday, I'll be right back to it. Though my kid, who runs my YouTube channel, said, Daddy, you're bringing your laptop, we're getting a hold of Wi-Fi, and you're doing a video on the road. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's like, you're running too hot right now. You can't not put a video out on Friday. <laughs> she's like, you got the pepper. You got to put out a video. So I'll put putting out a video. But, uh, but for our guests, Ruthless Wawa and Josh Wheeler, and for Larry Goodman and myself, Stephen Platinum, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks on the Tipping Point. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.